This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. This is Catherine Klein on Dollars and Change. And I'm Cheryl Coolman. And as I told you, this song, I, I mean, I confess, I just heard this song recently. And I guess listeners who are who are into pop music will know better than I how popular this is. But I mean, like, you hear it once and it's, it's, it's like, like, okay, I get why this is ridiculously popular. <laughs> Going to have to add it to the playlist. Yes. All right. So not particularly relevant. I don't think we're talking about Cuba. I was trying Cuba. to find some time. Yeah, yeah I going, know, Philadelphia in my heart. Trip, I don't know. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. It just got stuck in my head. I was amused by the song. So uh, thank you for, for playing it for us. Um, all right. So we're back. Uh, and uh, our guest in the studio, thanks for coming in, is Noel St. Clair, Community Development Advisor and Outreach Manager. We're going to let that hit for a moment because you're, you're it's about... It's a long com- title. It's right? a long <laughs> title. And you're about community development and out- outreach. And you're at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. So at least for many of us, I think we don't think community development and outreach, oh, right, obviously at the Federal Reserve. That's not the kind of association we have with the Federal Reserve. So let's start with the Federal Reserve Bank and tell us what we should understand about this institution. This is, I think, again, for many listeners, we kind of know this. This is an important institution that does something, something about money, something with money, something bank. the banking, regulation, economy important, stuffy, doesn't do very radical things, kind of keeps the money supply safe. <laughs> yeah, I, <I'm... laughs> For listeners who, have, you know, you can, <laughs> who know better than us, you can just feel superior right now. <laughs> I'm happy to speak a bit to that. And first, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here this We're morning. We're glad to have you. Um, you're right. You know, often I am out meeting with people in the community and say I work at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, and they ask, well, what's going to happen with interest rates? Um, <laughs> that's not my role, so we won't be discussing interest rates today. Um, and anything I say is my opinion, not those of the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia or Federal Reserve System. Um, but, you know, we are really known for our role in monetary policymaking. Um, but there's a lot of other things that the Federal Reserve does as a system And even the way the Federal Reserve is structured, I think, um, isn't common knowledge to everyone. So the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia is responsible for a region that's South Jersey, Pennsylvania, except for the far western part of the state, and Delaware. And um, we are not a federal agency. We are the private side of a public-private partnership. Oh, I didn't know that. With the public side being the Federal Reserve Board of Governors in D.C., and we have quite a bit of responsibility, both in our region, but also for the national economy. So whether it's, um, as you mentioned, being a regulator or banks, looking at their safety and soundness, um, and if they are meeting their uh, their obligation under the Community Reinvestment Act, which is really where the community development function comes in. Uh-huh, so for those uh-huh. who aren't familiar, the Community Reinvestment Act was something passed in the 70s in response to redlining, so banks not providing access to credit in minority and low-income areas. And so um, there are examiners from the Federal Reserve that look at a bank's portfolio to make sure that they are lending and investing in all of the places where they are taking deposits, even in low-income communities. Um, And then the community development function really provides research uh, to inform both banks' CRA activity, but also just to inform the community development industry in general and serves as a convener, so bringing 
public, private, nonprofit, philanthropic partners together to talk about issues relating to community development and their impact on our regional economy. Yeah, and that's the interesting. I had been to a session that you hosted about a year ago, and, and it was really great. It was kind of like both practical and wonky at the same time. So you had a, a really nice blend of here's some, some detailed research around housing issues and uh, um, what happens when you add um, parks to an area, but then a lot of practical practitioner information. So I thought it was a really yeah, interesting conference. We really try to uh, bridge research and practice, practice-informed research, research-informed practice. Love so, that. Uh, <laughs> love that. My role in, in, in outreach is really trying to get out and listen um, to those in the industry about what the research needs are. We sort of have a, a unique value in that we have research capacity that doesn't require fundraising. You know, we can uh, be a partner and jump in and provide that capacity. But we don't want to be developing a research plan that's not informed by practitioners or responsive to the needs of practitioners. Um, so it, it's kind of a, a role that we can fill as a convener sharing the research, but then also having an ear open for, for what research might be helpful. That's great. And I love this. And it's really helpful to provide some history. I, you know, I, I wasn't fully, you, you sort of put some pieces together of you know, I think many of us know generally about the history of redlining in this country, right? It was making it very difficult for people to get uh, of color to get uh, bank loans and to get into housing. And, uh, you know, many people will look at that as a contributing factor for inequality in mm -hmm. this country, right? That, that you know, that, that uh, it's been hard for underrepresented minorities to get, get into the housing market right, and, right. and make money as one can through that long-term investment in housing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and we talk yeah. about income inequality often, but the wealth inequality, when you look at that history of redlining, yes, absolutely. you really start to understand some of the dynamics at play there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, it, and it's interesting, the community, the, the Community Redevelopment Act, so I wasn't aware of how old this act is, and that it was actually a, uh, so you said it was passed in the 1970s, and it was a response to this, this redlining. That's right. And so all of this capital from the banks was mobilized to really um, contribute to the community development industry that we know today, whether it's community development financial institutions or affordable housing groups. Um, and it's an interesting inflection point for the industry, I think, because a lot of the founders of these organizations are now nearing retirement age, and so it's kind of the um, next generation well, for a lot of these yeah. organizations. Um, but CRA Capital has certainly played a role in uh, increasing sophistication and um, the emergence of what is now, you know, a, a fairly sophisticated industry in community development finance. So tell us about your role, Noel, with as a community development advisor and outreach manager at the Federal Reserve Bank in Philadelphia. So you're working in the community. Uh, I'm assuming and doing doing outreach in Philadelphia. What does that you know? What does that look like day to day, month to month, year to year? What you know? What is your what is your mission? What are your goals? Sure. So uh, the Federal Reserve has a lot of data available to us um, on the quantitative side, but we view the qualitative data as just as important. And so the outreach team, we view ourselves as really the ears and eyes of the bank, and we're meeting with everyone from. Um, municipal agencies to foundations to local community-based organizations and exploring topics such as household financial stability, affordable housing, workforce development, economic inclusion. Um, so collecting that information and, and for a while, you know, we would collect that information. It would inform our work planning. But now we've gotten a, um, a lot more thoughtful about how we're sharing mm -hmm. what we're learning in the field. So qualitative research is an area that we've been expanding upon. Um, so really synthesizing and analyzing all of this and putting it out to move the industry forward. Um, so an example of that is 
are investing in America's Workforce Initiative, which was the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia was involved, but we were partnering with the other Federal Reserve Banks around the country to ask questions about, you know, how can we start to look at workforce development, preparing labor um, and workers for jobs that are in demand? Um, How can we look at that as an investment in our national economy versus a social service? So we had listening sessions across the country and then produced a report, hosted a conference, and really trying to move the needle on how we're viewing um, investments in that space, in human capital. Because we know, um, you know, this skills gap that we're experiencing between what employers are demanding and what local labor forces possess is really inhibiting economic growth. Um, and, And with increases in technology and automation, it's only going to become more challenging if we don't address it in a strategic way. Yeah. And it's it's so funny because, I mean, that's exactly what our previous guest was talking about, Code to College, that they are training people to meet the supply-demand need, the mm-hmm. college students, high yeah. school students. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I liked about what you just said was that shifting the thinking from this being a social service to being part of an economic issue, right, and and strength for the, the country and the economy, because those two are really tied together. If you think of them just as a social service, then it's a kind of nice to have. If mm-hmm. you think of it as something that's vital for the economy, it gains extra weight and importance. You recognize the, the implications of, of some of these activities. Yeah, absolutely. And when we, you know, when we think of, it's funny, because right when we, we get it intuitively when we think of a Silicon Valley, Mm-hmm, right, when you think mm-hmm. of that area, it's like, oh, obviously they have tremendous talent. Oh, right, that's where Stanford is. Right, that's where even universities are. Um, but we may not understand that you know that this is possible in other regions when we invest in in talent. Right, and we might see unemployment rates going down, but if we look at labor market participation, you know, there are things going on there where uh, there's a lot of potential in the labor force that's not contributing in a productive way to the economy. So, exploring what are the dynamics that are causing these trends. Um, and for us as a convener, really bringing a nonpartisan voice to these issues mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a time that's, you know, some of these things can get politically divisive. So uh, really looking at the economic imperative of this, I think, is something that we could all agree on. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is a great, it, right, it's a great stance for the Federal Reserve. Yeah, and it's right. one that we, we'd like to take on as well, right, because I think that it's easy to get – uh, caught up in partisan and particular views, but if you really just want to sort of say, laying out, here's what the data shows us, here's what the trends are, let's under- right. try to understand what right. the facts show. Right. right. So, Noel, do you have a sense? I mean, Philadelphia is really an interesting case, right? It's the poorest of the 10 largest cities in the right. United States. Um, you know, it's, it's we're, we're positioned between New York and, and Washington, D.C., lots of resources. You know, there are real benefits to our affordability. Um, so there are a lot of you know tremendous resources in Philadelphia, but there has been a you know very high level of poverty of unemployment. So as you think about you know what you've understood in your stance and the kind of research that the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia has done, you know if you could wave a magic wand, what are the kinds of things that the that would go on in Philadelphia that you think would really create more economic vitality mm-hmm. and inclusion? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm glad you asked this question. It's something we're focusing on quite a bit at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Our Great. president, Patrick Harker, former well, dean of Warden. Yeah, yeah, former, former dean of Warden, absolutely right. <laughs> um, we're pleased to have him as a leader because he is so committed, of course, to our national economy with monetary policymaking, but also our regional economy, you know, deep ties regionally um, at, at Delaware, Delaware and here yeah. at Warden. He's president, yeah. So when he came on, um, we launched something called the Economic Growth and Mobility Project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is really a deep dive, not just from our community development team, but across our banks. So our um, you know, our researchers, uh, even some of our other departments looking into how 
poverty is inhibiting economic growth. And so we are headquartered in Philadelphia, where one in four residents lives in poverty. So if we can't um, provide opportunity for all residents in the city, are we able to really achieve these growth objectives that we have? So um, the way we're doing this is through what we're calling research and action labs. So not just producing research and hosting convenings, but Mm -hmm. working more strategically with city stakeholders, um, with philanthropy, with others to tackle specific challenges. Um, So an example of that is in Scranton, we've been doing a lot of work around um, equitable transit access because Mm -hmm. we know investing in skills is important for workforce development. But there's also all these non-skills related barriers at play. Can you get to work? Um, You know, do you have affordable housing? Do you have um, accessible health care? And so we're really, through the Economic Growth and Mobility Project, looking at three core areas, job creation, job access, which is this workforce development piece, both the training and the non-skills related barriers to work, and then community infrastructure, everything from transportation to housing to health care to education, um, and trying to take a, a look holistically at how we start um, to address some of these issues of poverty in our region and then working with our colleagues across the country inform that work nationally as well. Yeah, sound, sounds interesting and important. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Tell us a little bit, um, I mean, listening to you, I'm, I, I think uh, I'm curious and I imagine some of our listeners are curious about you know, maybe listening and thinking, this is a pretty great job she has. Uh, <laughs> at least I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, right? You're doing some really interesting. What's your background? How do you, how does somebody get into community development with a Federal Reserve Bank uh, in a right, Philadelphia, so, for example? So I studied economics and philosophy. Um, I'm a philosopher. <laughs> right, so philosophers <laughs> unite. I, I think it's a nice way to bring a different type of perspective. So mm-hmm. this is how things are happening. But how could they? Happen? Right. Great. Um, and, you know, also pursuing my MBA here um, in Philadelphia at Drexel. Um, so I got into this work originally from a background in community development finance and impact investing. Um, and I know impact investing is Absolutely. a topic that you, you talk about often on the show, aligning your, yeah. your values with your investments. And I think in impact investing, we've really seen growth internationally with international oh, yeah. development and environmentally. But when we get to community development finance and domestic um, impact investing, it tends to become a little bit more challenging, again, because of some of the political issues at play there. Um, but there is this community development finance industry that has a strong track record. So um, part of the work we've been doing is exploring how do we connect this industry with the track record to this growth of new types of investors looking to mobilize their capital in line with their values. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. And I think you're absolutely right about the I- impact investing. And it really you know, that, again, I would say this is, at this point, I think we know this observationally rather than that well, you know, the, the details of the data. But it does, it seems like impact investing is going on, you know, when it's through private equity and so on, it's going on. It, there's there's a big, strong international development focus. There's an environmental focus, a lot of a lot of products and services that will, you know, are good for the environment, good for combating climate change, and other aspects of you know, impact that we might hope to have in the United States uh, are, can be more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, does that make sense? You show your, your yeah, I no, can no, see no, on I your face you're thinking this. <laughs> well, no, but I, and I also think that one of the things that people like Noel are working on in other groups are, are trying to find ways to bring um, different kinds of capital together, right? So that you're getting uh, layers of capital from different from foundations from 
venture capitalists from government sources right pushing at a at a problem right because recognizing that the kind of disjointed impact investing efforts may not be the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. really interesting. And I mean, what we learned through our Investing in America's Workforce research that I mentioned earlier is sometimes it's a need for increased uh, financial capital, but sometimes it's behavior changes that need to take place for some of these issues. So while we did identify specific opportunities for investing in workforce training and community infrastructure, we also talked about things like employers being willing to hire based on skills versus mm-hmm. um, Degree. you know, degrees. And, and so identifying those um, changes that are more the, the social will to change is, is part of this for us, the investment, not just financially, um, but how do we attack the problem holistically? And we've been talking about all of this work at a fairly abstract level. When you think about the, you know, the levers of change in a region or in Philadelphia, is this about we, the Federal Reserve, want to inform the public and other, you know, we want to inform major institutions we want to inform and move banks and and change bank practices. We want to improve, move, uh, maybe you know, touch uh, entrepreneurs and help entrepreneurs grow more. Mm-hmm. We're focused on you know, code to college earlier. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, like we're on, we're we're connect, we're doing something with the employers, something very important with the employers. But our focus is these these kids getting mm-hmm. them into this. So I'm you know, I assume you target your audience somewhat. Right. So, I mean, the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate of stable prices and maximizing employment. So everything that we do rolls up to those two ultimate goals. Our community development function supports our economic growth objectives through that dual mandate by fostering community development in low and moderate income communities and fair and impartial access to credit. So, again, our two levers to to try to um, inform some of that work is, is research and convening. And so our audiences are wide because we know it takes public-private partnership as well as um, a deep understanding of what the nonprofits have learned and, mm-hmm. and where funders are putting their capital. So we have many audiences, but it, it all rolls up to supporting that dual mandate um, and a healthy economy. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about uh, that approach is that it really is this case where you're – I, I think I liked when you mentioned – that it's the dollars, it's the programs, but then it's also understanding the behavioral shifts and the mm-hmm. shifts in perspective. And so, you know, how do you get people to understand that open hiring might be something that you want to try, right? right. Yeah. It, it might be a, an approach for you. Your first thought may be that you can't just open hire, that you have to go through and be selective and hire the best, but but maybe not. Right. You know, right. and there's some people like right. Grayston Bakery who are basically mm-hmm. showing you know, this seems to be working for us. Right. Well, if you can hire on work performance, it's a, it's a very effective strategy, yeah. right? We're talking with Noel St. Clair, Community Development Advisor and Outreach Manager at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Noel, one thing we haven't talked about that I'm curious about is, is how distinctive is the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia? Are these different Federal Reserve Banks quite, you know, separate, do their own thing? Or is this really, you know, what you do in Philadelphia gets done in other in San Francisco and other locations? Yeah, so the Federal Reserve really is an interesting entity in that way. We do have core functions that you'll see at each of the banks, so supervising and regulating banks, um, community development, cash services. You know, we, we're providing uh, banks are 
having deposits with the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm, so there are mm-hmm. these core functions that we do. But in terms of our specialization around research and expertise, um, that does differ from bank to bank. So I can speak from the community development perspective. Our colleagues in Minneapolis do a lot of work around early childhood education and the impacts there on workforce development. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I've heard about some of this work. In San Francisco, they're doing a lot of work around outcomes-based financing and that um, new emerging field within impact investing. So we do have um, our specialized areas, but there are definitely core functions that happen at each of the banks. And you can see how they're all related, though, right? Because sure. it's sort of if, if part of it is is employment and economic stability, there are different ways to, to, to get at that issue. Childhood education, outcomes-based approach, employment, et cetera. So it's, it's very, it sounds like a very interesting um, puzzle that you guys are all trying to put together and testing out in different areas. Yeah. Right, and then sharing you know, that work nationally yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Noelle, we're, we're coming to the end of our time. I'm curious, with your background in impact investing, and now your work with the Federal Reserve uh, Bank of Philadelphia, are, do you have, is there any advice you'd give to the impact investing community? That, you know, as you know it, it's hard to typify what that is exactly. It's a, it's a diverse area. But any advice for impact investors or, you know, and for, or for us as we do impact research and, and training in impact investing? Um, just that I think there are impact investing opportunities across asset classes. Yeah. So just to widen our perspective a little bit, you know, there can be um, fixed income alternatives in the CDFI space or... Um, you know, we think about private equity and venture capital, um, but just to to look across, if you're trying to align your values with your investments, there are a lot of opportunities to do that, even intentionality of um, companies that are providing quality jobs, you know. So I, I yeah. think we're we're growing a lot in how we define impact, but to continue to be open-minded about what it is we mean when we say impact investing. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to the point of, of recognizing that you can bring different players to the table to invest in those different areas, right? And so that you're really creating a more um, coordinated and complicated funding stream rather than just always looking for the new upstart entrepreneur who's going to be absolutely, you know, doing yeah. some social good. Yeah. All right. So I think we have time for one last question. What do you think we should, what, what, what should we be looking to uh, for signs of, of your success in this effort? Uh, you know, give us uh, two years out, three years out. What do you hope to, to see? Well, again, in the community development space, we're really trying to foster research-informed practice and practice-informed research. So to the extent that we are using um, data to inform decision-making here locally um, and then sharing that information nationally, I think that's that's the role we are trying to play. Um, so that change in behavior is something that we are often trying to track over that time. Is, that is fabulous and uh, super important to Wharton. So we need to <laughs> yeah. we need to make sure we continue this conversation. Make sure that we, we are appropriately connected with you know with our team with uh, with other faculty members who are really interested. And you know data data driven problem solving is pretty much you know very very much at the core of Wharton's identity and our work. So great to have you with us. We've Wonderful. been thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We've been talking with Noelle Saint Clair, Community Development Advisor and Outreach Manager at the Federal. Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Heath Shackelford. He's the founder of Good, Good Must, Must Grow. Grow. <laughs> Good Must Grow. We, I think, we all kind of agree with that. Good <laughs> Must Grow, and he's going to help us understand how we how we do that. So stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Catherine Klein on Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.